Before we start this episode, I would like to tell you about the Give Program. The Give Program is a nonprofit company raising money for local personal trainers and gyms who have lost their income due to COVID-19. The Give Program sells boxes of meat that are delivered right to your doorstep to save you the time and hassle of going to the grocery store. They have various options such as the original box, land and sea box, poultry box, and my personal favorite, the grill box. If you're in the Long Island or greater New York area, check out thegiveprogram.org to purchase your box of delicious, high-quality protein now. Use code EATRIGHT15 to save 15%. Make sure to use all caps. That's E-A-T-R-I-T-E-15. Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're talking about adaptive thermogenesis and calorie cycling. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Episode number 38 of the Eat Right Nutrition podcast. We're going to talk today about adaptive thermogenesis and calorie cycling and why calorie cycling may be beneficial to your fitness and fat loss and weight loss plan. Woohoo. That wasn't a very exciting woohoo. Sorry. Woohoo. So let's talk about dieting and calorie cycling. Okay. Well, do you want to start with? Well, let's start with where you want to go. Let's start with what calorie cycling is, and then we'll dive into some of the reasons why we would want to use a calorie cycling strategy with some Mm -hmm. of our clients or why you as a listener would want to use a calorie cycling strategy to aid in your weight loss and fat loss, which it has been shown to be very effective. Essentially, calorie cycling is an advanced nutrition strategy where you'll go through cycles of low calories mixed in with days or even weeks of higher calories, essentially kind of like a refeed. And Nicole, I believe if I'm not mistaken, this is some of the stuff that Bill Campbell does and works on. And we've spoken to him about that. Mm -hmm. I've used calorie and carb cycling a lot in my client practice too. Yeah, I've dabbled in it as well, and it's effective and it's efficient and it works. And I want to talk about the reason why it works is because of adaptive thermogenesis. Yeah, well, there's two parts that and then also from a psychology standpoint in terms of like mental breaks from being in a deficit for a certain period of time and then coming out of the deficit and literally giving your mind and body the break. From an adherence standpoint, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you can't just be restricted all the time and you have to kind of allow yourself to eat certain things. Yeah. Well, we've learned with some of the research that restricting for a long period of time can have some negative effects on the physical body. And we also now have learned that it has uh, uh, negative effects on our mindset and mental capacity. So depending on the person, I think it's important to point out every person handles that the ability to adapt differently and everybody's ability to mentally stay in a deficit for a prolonged period of time. Some can go longer than others. Some actually enjoy being there, but overall uh, it can be a real benefit to have some flexibility there. So let's talk about, let's dive into a little research here. Yeah. Let's start with the physical. 
let's start and dive into a little research. And then I want to go into adaptive thermogenesis and what that is and why okay. calorie cycling is important for adaptive thermogenesis. Diving into a little, little research here. I have a study here that is uh, 74 subjects. They were randomized to four weeks of a controlled diet, uh, six weeks of a calorie cycling diet or calorie restricted diet. So calorie cycling would be that you're going through periods of high and low calories and calorie restricted diet is you're just restricting all throughout the course of the study. Uh, and then there was a four week follow-up period. The calorie restricted diet consisted of three phases. Each lasts for two weeks. It's 11 days of calorie restriction, which included four meals every day and a four hour fast between meals, followed with three days of a self-selecting diet. So this was a strategy where it wasn't a planned refeed. And Nicole, I know for me, I typically do planned refeeds and I say, okay, well, if you're at 1500 calories, I want you to have, you know, throwing out a random number, 2000 calories for a period of three days. And mm -hmm. then I want you to go back down into your uh, calorie deficit. But this was a kind of not planned, not structured, just eat what you want for three days and then go back into a calorie deficit. Mm -hmm. uh, and the calorie restricted subjects in this study received a just a low calorie diet. Um, they took a bunch of measurements. They did metabolic measurements. They rest. They measured their resting metabolic rate. They measure hormone levels, uh, mm -hmm. hunger and satiety hormones testosterone levels. And what they found was that four weeks after treatment, significant weight and fat loss started and continued for one month, which was correlated to the restricted energy intake. During the calorie cycling diet, their resting metabolic rate remained unchanged and they lost a greater amount of weight and adherence was better among the calorie cycling diet, right? So that's mm -hmm. kind of some of the stuff that we're talking about is you can lose more weight and you can adhere to your program for a longer period of time which is why you lose more weight, basically. Now, now other studies, <laughs> some studies will do it differently. Some studies will do it in a three to four week period and mm -hmm. they'll, do, they'll do like four weeks of strict diets and then one week of refeeds. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of ways. The 11, three, 11 days and then the three days to maintenance is I think um, something I usually use with someone that's a little bit leaner and has been dieting a little bit longer. I tend to do the longer stretches of like, eight weeks to 12 weeks in a, in a calorie deficit and then a refeed. Uh, but there's also research on two weeks on two weeks off. There's a lot of ways that you can do that. And that's why I say it, it really depends on the person and where they're coming in. If you have someone that's never restricted before, I'm not going to give them a refeed after a week because they need to actually adhere to that calorie restriction for a little bit longer. But I think it's important to point out that the calorie restriction part is whatever their deficit is, and then bringing them back up to what we call maintenance is we don't want them going into a surplus. They're actually just coming up to their maintenance. So I believe that it's really important that you do know what the amount of calories their maintenance level is. And that takes a little bit of figuring out at the beginning when you first start working with a client or when the client first starts, you know, that's why we call it an advanced strategy. You do have to know what their maintenance phase truly and authentically is and then what the deficit is before you start manipulating all these numbers. But the ultimate goal is when we get into adaptation is that the body doesn't adapt to a point where it gets downregulated with hormones and hunger and satiety and all the things that you're going to mention in terms of the body. And we keep those hormone levels coming up when they go back into maintenance so that they can go back into the deficit and the body doesn't adapt quickly. Yeah. And I'm just going to backtrack a little bit to 
what you said in terms of it being in a an advanced strategy it's you have to understand the basics and you have to understand macros and calories and you have to be logging in a food journal for a consistent period of time you really have to have your habits down before doing a strategy where you're like all right now i'm starting to play around with the Mm -hmm. numbers because listen if you're not eating those we say it all the time if you're not eating adequate nutrient dense foods you're not getting good quality sources of starches you're not or, or carbohydrates you're not getting adequate protein you're not even tracking your fat, like all of those things have to be in place before you can even consider playing around with the macronutrients and the numbers. It's something that is for somebody who really has a handle and has been logging for a period of time. Agree. I think it's great strategy from um, just the psychological standpoint in terms of mental break, because even the most beginner client that is creating a deficit for even those four weeks that you mentioned before to give them um, a week to not think about journaling their food in the sense that they're restricting. They can go back up to maintenance, have a week of a little bit more flexibility. It definitely gives them that break mentally so that they can then go back into the deficit and they actually can adhere to the deficit moving for another four weeks. So from a mindset standpoint, it is really powerful to give people that flexibility, or at least I find it to be really helpful long-term. Yeah, absolutely. Now I want to get into the adaptive thermogenesis and what that is, which is basically why we would calorie cycle, Mm -hmm. right? This is kind of part part of the point where like people go into huge calorie deficits and then we need to reverse diet them and they don't understand why. And it's because you've been in a big calorie deficit for a long period of time and you've gone through this adaptive thermogenesis where you've had changes in hormones, changes in resting metabolic rate, and your body adapts to survive. So I kind of want to highlight a little bit where this mechanism comes from. It's a survival mechanism, right? So our Paleolithic hunter-gatherer ancestors went through periods of time with less food availability. So what the system ended up adapting to or evolving towards is, hey, when there's less food, we need to slow things down and we need to actually increase hunger levels so that you as a being, you seek out more food and we need to preserve energy. So we're going to, the system is going to change to preserve energy and hold on to that energy until you start Mm -hmm. eating again. And that's going to kickstart your metabolism. And that's essentially what we're doing and what the research is showing with the calorie cycling diet, because you're able to have your metabolism adapt or even not adapt. And your metabolic rate is able to go back up in the periods that you're Mm -hmm. refeeding yourself. So when you're a hunter gatherer and you find food all of a sudden, your body's like, okay, more food's coming into the system. Now let me ramp up my hormones and ramp up my metabolism Mm -hmm. again. Exactly. The bottom line is as we change the way we feed our body, our body internally adapts and changes with that level of caloric intake or active or lack of activity or activity. If you're eating less, then you burn less. If you eat more, you burn more. So having a little bit of what we call metabolic flexibility, being able to do both within a period of weight loss is really important for the body to, you know, healthily go through those changes. So let's get into some of those changes that are going on and what's regulating your metabolism and your hunger and your your satiety cues Mm -hmm. and essentially what's going on during this adaptive thermogenesis phase. So one of the major things is that there's a decrease in your resting energy expenditure or your resting metabolic rate, uh, which 
we can measure and we measure your metabolism or the number of calories that you burn at rest, the decline is known as adaptive thermogenesis. Now, part of the reason why some of these things are happening is because when you're in a strict calorie deficit for a longer period of time, your thyroid hormones start to drop. And thyroid really affects your metabolism by boosting it, right? We've all heard of these people that they have thyroid issues. They've got Hashimoto thyroiditis, right? And they've got antibodies attacking their thyroid Mm -hmm. or they have, you know, just low levels of, of thyroxine, which is the T3, right? And this plays a role in their fat loss. And they're like, I can't lose weight. I can't lose weight. They go to the doctor and they're like, well, I have low thyroid. And then all of a sudden they start taking uh, T3, and that boosts their metabolism and they have an easier time losing body fat, mm-hmm. right? We see this all so often, right? So what happens is thyroid is regu- is down-regulating to burn less fuel to lower your energy expenditure. Yeah. One of the other things that we find, and this particularly goes for men, is a decrease in testosterone. And testosterone also contributes to increasing your resting metabolic rate or your basal metabolism. Mm-hmm. So that's also going to play into your resting energy expenditure. Yeah. Other things that are happening is increasing cortisol because being in a severe calorie deficit is a stress on the body. So you're exercising all the time. You're maybe over-exercising. You're in a big calorie deficit for a long period of time. That's creating a stressful environment. And you add that on top of whatever other daily stress you have, your work, Mm -hmm. your kids, your family, your relationships, you know, all of that stuff. We want to do what we can to lower stress and lower cortisol. And that's when we see people uh, becoming more successful. Two other things that are happening with your hormones are you've got two key hormones that are playing a role in your hunger levels. And when you're in that calorie deficit for a long period of time, leptin and ghrelin is altered. Now, what we find is that leptin is directly correlated with the amount of fat mass that you have. So losing fat altogether decreases the amount of leptin and a decrease in leptin because leptin essentially tells your body that you're full. So a decrease in leptin will increase your hunger. Mm -hmm. And ghrelin is almost kind of counter-regulatory to that. And ghrelin increases and ghrelin also makes you hungry. So you have these two hormones that are going in the opposite direction that you want them because you're in a Mm -hmm. calorie deficit. And then you refeed yourself in a calorie cycling strategy and these hormones start to normalize again. Yeah. If you remember from previous episodes that we talked about, hormones are the messengers that tell your brain how much hormone and when to release them. They're like the messengers in the body and they tell our body what to do. So if you're slowing those down, then they the message gets um, downregulated and it slows down the ability of what the body then does. So being able to, again, create that metabolic flexibility, your body should be able to handle a a calorie deficit, but it should also be able to come up to maintenance and kind of rev the engine back up and then slow back down. So it becomes like that wave of up and down as opposed to just a plummeting decline. And then it flatlines. And then this is what a reverse diet does. It brings that revs that back up. So it comes back up to maintenance and then you you know, you can go it again. So a lot of people get stuck. Women particularly tend to get stuck in. A, and when we say great caloric deficit, I mean like 700 to a thousand calories for women lower than 
their um, maintenance and they stay there. And when we see long period of time, like longer than six months, maybe a year, sometimes clients come in and they've been there for two or three years and they can't figure out why they can't get out of this vicious cycle. So. And the last thing that really changes is your NEAT, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. You have a decrease in physical activity, whether you know it or not. So whether you're, so it's, it's like, if you're fidgeting throughout the day, you subconsciously fidget less and you move around less. And then consciously your, your physical activity also goes down as well. So that is changing as well. And that's something that you need to keep in mind that when you're in this big calorie deficit, you could not even know it. And you're moving around and burning less, you know, expending less calories throughout the day. Yeah, I think anybody that has experienced any type of quarantine 15, which I say with giggles um, uh, with the whole pandemic is not getting up and going to work and getting ready for work and getting to the car and going to the train station and jumping on the train and all the things that you do throughout the day to get you to work. All of that stopped and slowed down and everybody just gets up and goes to a computer. A lot of my clients that have been working from home have experienced that downregulation of their needs. And if they're not actually getting up and producing those steps per day more than they should, they've all experienced some weight gain and some hunger, you know, boredom and hunger and their hunger levels have gone up. It, it's the slowdown is also affects us mentally. I just want to kind of sum up how this works. Mm-hmm. So you go into a calorie deficit let's say you're at a 500 calorie deficit and your daily energy expenditure is roughly around 2000 calories. And you say, okay, I'm going to go into 500 calorie deficit. I'm going to eat 1500 calories a day. Mm -hmm. You eat 1500 calories a day. You do it for a period of time and you have all these metabolic adaptations occurring or this, you know, quote, adaptive thermogenesis. All of a sudden your resting metabolic rate goes for, from maybe it was 1300 and now it's, a thousand. Right. And this isn't unreasonable. There are studies that will show as high as a 250 calorie reduction in calories burned at rest due to this adaptive thermogenesis. What you need to consider sometimes when dieting is, am I going to be in a calorie deficit? How big of a calorie deficit am I going to be in? What does my activity look like? What does the stress on the body look like? Mm -hmm. And Am I going to potentially allow myself times to refeed? And it's interesting because when I think back to my bodybuilding mm-hmm. and we did quote unquote cheat days, cheat meals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you did cheat days. We did. Cheat I did meals. a cheat. I would do cheat days every single week yeah. and I would wake up the next day lighter. Yeah. After a cheat day. Right. Yeah. Now. I mean, obviously, there's some other things going on, maybe changes in water weight, you know, mm-hmm. whatever may, may be happening, but it boosts your metabolism like, to the point where you eat more cal. Like we would eat a ton of calories on those days, like mm-hmm. in so insane you go amount. past. Yeah. Sir, yeah like off. like we'd be like six thousand plus calories in those days <laughs> and you'd get hot. Right. Because your body's burning through yeah. that and your body's ramping up again. And at the time, we didn't know of it as adaptive thermogenesis. Mm-hmm. and us countering that and refeeding our bodies, we were just like, I want to cheat. I want to cheat day, right? So essentially, that's what we were doing, just unknowingly. unknowingly. And, and that actually catapults your progress forward. 
So it might be a wise strategy, both from a behavioral standpoint, because, yeah. you know, like I said, when I was bodybuilding, I'm like, I'm going to lose my mind if I have to diet and be in a calorie deficit for 12 weeks straight without a break. Yeah. So you know, even bodybuilders who look the way that they do, yep. they, for behavioral reasons and adherence reasons, they need that, but also that's beneficial to their progress. Yeah. Well, you think of, um, uh, flavor, taste, crunch, like texture. A lot of the times when we're eating, uh, to be in a deficit where we're choosing very healthy options. We're trying to keep our vegetables high, our protein intake adequate, all of those things. And not that those can't be cooked or prepared in a way that's flavorful. They absolutely can. But there are certain types of time. There are certain types of food, texture, flavor, things of that nature that you want to enjoy. Even if it's for my ladies that like a glass of wine, those types of things you do want to have them in so that they don't become this. This is where the the binge restriction comes in is you end up restricting so much that the, the, the seesaw tips and then you end up crashing and burning because you have that one glass of wine, which leads to French fries, which leads to ice cream, which leads to three glasses of wine and so on and so on. So this is where the type of person and their personality and perspective and their relationship with food comes into play. Because if it's done in a planned methodical way and it's done to create adherence, then there's less of that binge restrict mindset, you know, falling into that type of seesaw. I find that if you give people the flexibility, then there's less uh, risk of that happening. Well, it's interesting you say that because I was just thinking the fact that Bill Campbell says that when he, you know, mm -hmm. he, he refers to it as diet breaks. Yeah. Right. And he talks about planned refeeds. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a difference between doing it in a methodical way and really saying, okay, well, I'm going to do one week of a deficit and then I'm going to do three days out of my deficit. And then I'm going to do one week in a deficit and then three days, or if you're going to do four weeks and then one week. Yeah. Right. But it's the fact that it's planned. And what Bill Campbell said in the episode where, where we were with him mm -hmm. is that he mentioned that it seems to w only work when you're doing a planned refeed, not when you're just like in the middle of the week, like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to have, Screw a few, it. I'm going to have a few slices <laughs> of pizza and that will be my calorie cycling. Right. Because yeah. that's not a strategy. Right. And listen, I use this strategy with my females who have cravings around their menstrual cycle. And we've talked about this before, like because our hormones change and that messenger to our body that those hormone messengers start to, you know, up and down. Women will have cravings for chocolate or whatever it is, uh, sugary, salty foods. You can implement a, a diet break then and add some, go back up to your maintenance during that phase so that you don't go crazy. Give yourself the ability to have some of the foods that you, you really feel that you need um, to get through some of those hormonal fluctuations and then get back on track instead of trying to kind of like white knuckle through. I'm not going to have, I'm not going to have, even though you're having those cravings because of your hormone changes. And then you go, you know, it's, it's really hard to do that. You go off the Richter and then you know, you can't control it. This type of strategy is, I, I really do believe that you need to do it with a coach. A lot of my clients, once we figure out the strategy that works best for them within, whether it be the 11 and three, the uh, six weeks, eight weeks, and then a week break or two weeks on two weeks off. I really believe that 
when you work with a coach and figure out what works for you, then you've got it down. Like you said, it's planned. You understand how your body adheres to it. You know what your psych that psychological connection to your relationship with food. Um, and it becomes a really great tool. And that becomes the new lifestyle that you then can utilize when you take a vacation. So four weeks up to your vacation, you you work your your deficit and then feel great, go on your vacation, you still know that within the time that you're there, you're you're at a 2000 calorie maintenance phase, but you still can have some freedom and flexibility. And it's also important to point out that you still need to be exercising. <laughs> you know, this isn't a time to just do three days of a weekend and go crazy and then also skip all your workouts and not get your cardio in or not do your steps. And the, the whole idea about the cycling is that it's planned within a lifestyle strategy or program. Yeah. And the menstrual cycle thing, I mean, that would be what, like a three week, a three week on one month, uh, sorry, a three, week, on the three week on one week off. Right. And it can the, be. Yeah. And the thing with the menstrual cycles is like, oh man, I'm, I'm like, I'm craving so much and I'm craving all these things. You almost kind of shame yourself for it. Yeah. When you can just say, Hey, I'm just going to embrace this. I'm going to eat foods that I enjoy eating for this period of time, whether it be three days or a week. Yeah. And then after this is done, I'm, I'm going to get, you know, right back calories, right back down. Yeah. And I think it's just, again, it, it's more from a, a mental or, a, a, you know, building strong relationship with your food and being able to not feel guilty that, you know, for females, it's, it, it is different. Like I know everybody wants to say that females are the same, but you know, it just isn't the week before your period or the week of your period. If you're having bad cramps and you, your exercise is lower, it's it's okay to keep your your deficit there, you know, in place because you're exercising less. And then when you know you feel like you're getting your energy back, and you get you can have a diet break, take those three days and increase your workouts, and then you know have a little bit of flexibility for that weekend of in your food. It really depends on the person. So again. I will continue to like stress this to our listeners. I really believe this is something that you should work with a coach on. And I also think that you really have to know your body and, you know, the strategy that you're using so that it's done correctly and it isn't going to make you more obsessive because that can happen too. And you have to have a good foundation and a good yes. handle on macros mm -hmm. and your habits and where some areas of opportunity are for you. Yeah. But I, I, Listen, I love it. I use it with almost all my clients to some capacity, like depends on the situation. But for my clients that are crushing life, like their body fat's dropping, their weight is coming down, they're maintaining their muscle mass and we're trucking along really good. And they'll have like a birthday coming up or I don't know, something that they are like, listen, Nicole, how am I going to get through this? And I'm like, you know what? Let's take the weekend to bring you back up to maintenance. Go have your fun. Enjoy life. Then when you come back on a Monday and we have our check-in, let's see how you feel and let's see how you did. And 90% of the time they come back in and either two things happen. One, my goodness, they're like you when you did your refeed days for bodybuilding. Oh my God, I feel so good. I can't believe how I, I, I could eat and have some fun with my friends. And I felt great. And I actually can't believe that I still lost weight and, you know, and it's basically because it took the stress off their system, right? And they come back in and they had a little bit of fun and mentally they didn't over obsess over food and they let go a little bit and you just, you be a normal person and then they're ready to, I'm like, okay, you ready to get back on track? Yeah, I can't wait. Let's do this again. I, I can't wait to see how far I can push this. So that's one. The second is they come back 
And this is where things can get a little, can sometimes get a little sticky. They come back in and they say, I, I went back up to maintenance and now I feel so guilty. I don't know. Should I have done that? I don't know if it does. Even if everything, if, if they continue to drop body fat, even if their markers move in the right direction, they still feel guilty about having the extra calories. And this is where your relationship with food becomes a priority uh, in the coaching process. If, if you're still feeling guilt and shame over having food and making progress and it going in the right direction, that's more about the relationship with food that you want to work on than it is about the actual goal itself of weight loss or body fat dropping. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, th I think it's also about the trust in the process because right. it's kind of like when we do reverse dieting with people, Mm -hmm. or when we do calorie cycling with people where it's like, oh, you're telling me to eat more calories and I'm, I'm afraid to do it. Yeah. I, I don't know if I can do that, but I mean, the evidence is there for it. The evidence is there for reverse dieting that you, and it's for the same reason because yeah. of this adaptive thermogenesis that's going on. The evidence is there to support that you are down-regulating hormones that are beneficial to your weight loss. Right. So give your body the break and you want to ramp up. And this, the same thing for reverse dieting and the same thing for calorie cycling mm -hmm. is the evidence actually supports that you're going to lose body fat more. Yeah. You're and and down the line, you're going to lose yeah. more and it's going to be a more efficient process for you. So yeah. one of the things is like you, you have to really try to just let go of that fear and just learn to trust the process. It's because, practice. You know, I this mean, is what we talk about every time when I have a client come in after like even a week of doing a diet break and they come in, I don't know, or they'll text me in mid the week. Are you sure this is what I'm supposed to be doing? And I'm like, how do you feel? Truly, how do you feel? Physically, I feel amazing. I have so much energy. This feels so good. But emotionally, I'm scared. I don't really know if I should be doing the guilt, the shame, all of the emotions that tie into that. And that's where I think it's really important to have a coach help talk you through that, figure out you know, how to do, how to continue to do that moving forward, or maybe go for a longer period of time in the, re, in the deficit and take a smaller diet break so that they, they gain some comfort, but that's more a relationship with food challenge than it is actually the goal behind the weight loss. Um, it's like, it's like those, they're irrational fears, right? Like every time I go through this with somebody who's, who's afraid to do it, yeah. like, are you sure? And I'm like, I'm sure that a hundred percent of the time that I've done this, <laughs> you, they have lost more weight just from experience. Like I don't even need to dive into the research. It works every single time. I know, but you have to, well, I think from a coaching standpoint for any coaches that may be listening, the compassion and patience with them is so important to help them work through that. It's really hard to, to feel like every time you've tried it before. Now we all know that if they've tried it before, they probably weren't doing it right, which is why it didn't work, but that's okay. They don't know that the client or for any of you listening that may have experienced that before, maybe things weren't all on track like you thought they were. And so that's why I think it's important to work with a coach, let them help guide you through it. So then when you're doing it in a way that actually is, has some science behind it and, you know, get to learn about your body and your habits, then it becomes a little bit easier to feel good about. And slowly but surely. The hardest part about getting someone out of that guilt and shame loop is um, patience and kindness. You got to give them a little bit every time. 
You do. But to a certain extent, you have to nudge them, too. Well, yeah, of course. But you can do it in a patient and kind way. (laughs) No, you you just walk in the room and you say little (laughs) suck it up. Listen, fucker, you're doing this right now. (laughs) I strongly advise against that. Just kidding. For all our (laughs) listeners, that is not my coaching strategy whatsoever. Tyrone the teddy bear, no matter how he thinks. I'm actually just a giant teddy bear. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, oh, oh my God, he's so nice, but he looks so mean. Yeah, well. Like, I was afraid of I was afraid of you when I met you, and you're just like this teddy bear. Yeah, I'm not afraid of you. You should. I'm not afraid of you. Should be afraid of me. I'm not afraid of you. You should be. <laughs> I no, I just have learned. I, listen, I fully admit I've learned that as a coach that when I first started, even as, as a trainer, forget nutrition. I used to say to them, like, come on, my clients, come on. How can you not get this workout in? Like, get it done. And some days I still have that tough love. I mean, I definitely have tough love in me. So I, you have to know how to use it or who to use it with. With that particular type of client, I really do think that giving them you know, a little extra patience goes a long way because it is hard for them. All right. So that is calorie cycling in a nutshell. Uh, It has to be planned. It has to be methodical. Strategic. Yes. And it is meant to counter some of the physiological changes that are going inside, going on inside of your body. When you are in a calorie deficit, your body is going to adapt it is a survival mechanism to keep you alive and you want to make sure that you're doing everything that you can to keep your hormone levels regulated while you're dieting and calorie cycling is a strategy that you can use to facilitate some of those uh, changes or to prevent some of the changes, some of the adverse changes that you have when you're dieting. Exactly. that's all we've got on calorie cycling. If you have any questions about it, feel free to shoot us a DM at eat right nutrition, E A T R I T E nutrition. And if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, share this with a friend and you'll hear us next week. 